it resulted in the highest uh, voter turnout that this community has seen in a long time and probably maybe the highest turnout ever. And, and it was because the cannabis community got out and voted. Welcome to Far North Token. This is episode 107, September 30th, 2018, with your host, Mid Toker. Thank you all for listening. Edit session sponsored by J.P. Durham. Today is a last episode in a long series of political episodes where we've been highlighting certain candidates of the Fairbanks North Star Borough. Whether it be city, very important with on-site consumption coming up, borough, the same. We'll see what AMCO has to do, but as far as what the borough's got in mind, we shall see. What the city's got in mind, we shall see. Today's guest, Hank Bartos, Assembly Seat G. I was at the Interior Taxpayers Association candidate forum, where basically it's all about the tax gap. Different candidates show up. Anyone can ask a question. One particular one of interest is Jim Oslin. Let's just play him right now. Do you support or oppose the on-site consumption of marijuana in the borough? And as part of your answer, please explain what you will do if elected to protect residential neighborhoods that do not want to have on-site consumption of marijuana taking place where they live. Okay, so right now the state's on their sixth set of draft regulations on on-site consumption. So even though the voters didn't authorize it at some point, that could be a reality and the borough will definitely have to deal with it. So we're going to start with Mr. Tuck. It's new territory, that's for sure. Uh, the voters did not vote for that. Uh, I, would be, I would encourage people to be extremely careful about doing uh, that route. Uh, public safety It's just my background. I'm very concerned with uh, not to say that it will not work. Really going to make a difference in, in the community. 
Okay, I want to make sure everyone understands when that on-site consumption issue is on-site at a store where you buy it, that you smoke it and then drive home. But that's where the issue is not it's not about, about doing it in your house. So I want to understand. This is um, what Mr. Cup was saying. All new ground. It's uh, something that we definitely have to look at. It's coming at us. We have no choice. Uh, it appears that uh, the state, like uh, they were saying, is looking at uh, formulating regulations. I think that we need to definitely make sure that public safety is a number one issue, period. Uh, homes or uh, neighborhoods, uh, because we don't necessarily want that in those areas. So it's something that we're going to have to work through and, and work on, and it's going to take time. And Mr. Barkos? Right now that issue is being hotly debated with the Marijuana Control Board. Once they make a decision, then that's going to set the standard. Whether we abide by it is then up to the local community as to what they want to do. And then the voters of this community, I think, should have a, have a choice. I have talked to people in the cannabis business, and uh, they don't think it's a really a bad thing to have on-site consumption, but they do have some concerns with the safety of their people and people that, that uh, consume and leave. So it, it's a tough issue. It's going to be ameliorated so that we can understand, you know, what the pros and cons of it are. And then, you know, I think the community will react accordingly, you know, just like they did on the uh, vote last year. They came out and uh, spoke their piece, and then that's what we've got. As far as neighborhoods go, I, I think we need to look at uh, zoning neighborhoods that people say, well, you know, we want to change our zoning so we won't be subject to a major cannabis grow operation in, in our neighborhood. These things are going to come up until we set some rules and some standards. And I think those standards and those rules have to be what the people of this borough really want. And I support the people and what their choices are. And so I agree mostly with Mr. Bartos. Currently, the smoke-free workplace bill that passed last legislature would not allow the smoking of marijuana in a business place of employment. And I believe that there's no current exception for marijuana shops. Um, I don't know if that's what they're working through in the Marijuana Control Board. But I'll put to you, sir, that on-site consumption is happening everywhere in residential neighborhoods across this borough. So whether or not there's a shop in your neighborhood, your neighbors are smoking pot and they're taking pot by orally however. So this comes down, and you're not going to be able to regulate that, period. The only way we can look at that is by addressing safety. In other areas that have passed marijuana laws, they've looked explicitly at drug DUIs. Uh, right now, drug DUIs are really hard to get a conviction until you have a per se law, just like we did with alcohol back when they made it .08. Um, it didn't matter if you were drunk, if that was your blood alcohol, you were going to get a DUI. They do that now in some jurisdictions with marijuana, and maybe that's the direction we're headed so that we can be safe in our neighborhoods, which is a good idea. Thanks.
And just so you guys know, it's very relevant. Just last week, the assembly approved another place right in dead center in a residential neighborhood. So it happens constantly. As I'm listening to the different candidates answer questions, Hank Bartos walks by. Frank Turney leans over and says, you need to talk to the cannabis community. They, they got the wrong idea about me. Here's my chance. Introduce myself, Mr. Bartos, I've got a show. Would you like to come on, ask some questions? We talk about cannabis in the Fairbanks North Borough. He said, sure. Chena Cannabis, North Pole Cannabis Dispensary, 1725 Richardson Highway, between North Pole and Fairbanks, right before the Badger Road exit. You're gonna love this place. Convenient access right off the highway. Special in-house strains, half ounces for 160, ounces for 250. Valid through August or while supplies last. Fine flower strains, chocolate, sourdough, blue kush, big smooth, purple OG kush, fruity pebbles. Mmm. Concentrates by good cannabis, good titrations, edibles by AK Frost, and the good cannabis gummies. Head on over to China Cannabis. Check out the full menu on leafly.com. Open Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Sunday, noon till 6. You don't have to drive all the way to Fairbanks for your cannabis needs. Save your time. Get your quality cannabis at China Cannabis. Your North Pole Cannabis Dispensary. China Cannabis. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For use only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Welcome Hank Bartos. Running for Fairbanks North Star Borough Assembly Seat G. You got it. One thing, it was great meeting you the other night at the Interior Taxpayers Association Forum. Yeah. And and that's how this is happening. As running for assembly, you feel you have the wrong perception in the cannabis community. And that's what my show is. I heard you talking to Frank Turney. Yep. I figured I'd come over and introduce myself and give you a chance to talk to some people through my show. Well, thank you. I do appreciate the opportunity. And also, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank Frank Turney for his endorsement. Frank's been around a long time. He endorses Liberty. So it's good to get under his his on his list. Well, I've known Frank for, you know, a number of years, and he's been the biggest promoter of cannabis even before it was uh, legal. Sure thing. He sure has. All with hemp as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Bringing new business into the state. And how can that be bad, right? Well, I, I agree. It, it can't be bad. He uh, got the legislature and uh, he's worked hard, you know, to get that done. And, and, and I thank him for it. You feel that you have a uh, the community, the cannabis community has a misconception of who you are as a candidate. You want to explain that? Yes. Uh, you know, as, as you know, last year I ran against Christopher Quist. And uh, he was uh, a very, very strong promoter of cannabis. And, uh, you know, the cannabis community supported him. And, and I don't blame him, you know, for that. In fact, uh, it resulted in the highest uh, voter turnout 
that this community has seen in a long time and probably maybe the highest turnout ever. And, and it was because the cannabis community got out and voted. And it was because of a ballot proposition that was on the, the ballot. And I think uh, I was painted, you know, as anti-cannabis and uh, he was pro-cannabis. And I think uh, that was part of the issue. The public likes to look at black and white, don't they? They like to see it from one side or the other. They can't deal with grays and and it's a multifaceted issue. Yeah, well, you, you know, I didn't never got a chance to, you know, to get, you know, really my opinion uh, in on that. Uh, so, uh, and if you look at my background, where I came from, and, uh, you know, as an Air Force uh, fighter pilot for 20 years, and that was, you know, that's been years ago, uh, we were always told that if you came close to marijuana, you would automatically burst into flames. <laughs> and uh, so, and, and of course you would, you know, lose your whole career if you were even close to it. So, you know, for that, uh, you know, I, I stayed away from it. I've never even smoked a cigarette in my life and, uh, and have never done, you know, any cannabis. So, you know, that was my background. However, you know, in the last several years, things have changed radically. Uh, I have had people come up to me and told me that, that, you know, if it wasn't for cannabis, their health would be in a lot worse shape than it is now. And, and of course, I'm a member of a lot of veterans organizations, and I have a lot of friends that are veterans. And, uh, you know, they have been pushing, and I agree with them, to use cannabis because a lot of them uh, have uh, issues that they have come up with over the years as being a veteran, uh, a lot of them combat related. And uh, that's the only thing that they think uh, really helps them out. And it also, uh, a lot of them have cancer, you know, from being exposed to Agent Orange and things uh, like that when we were in Vietnam. And, uh, you know, they say that they want the Veterans Administration to approve cannabis, and I think things are moving that way. And my attitude has certainly been developing over the last several years. Publichealth.va.gov. VA and marijuana, what veterans need to know. Several states in the U.S. have approved the use of marijuana for medical and or recreational use. Veterans should know that federal law classifies marijuana, including all derivative products, as a Schedule One controlled substance. This makes it illegal in the eyes of the federal government. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs is required to follow all federal laws, including those regarding marijuana. As long as the Food and Drug Administration classifies marijuana as Schedule One, VA health care providers may not recommend it or assist veterans to obtain it. Veteran participation in state marijuana programs does not affect eligibility for VA care and services. VA providers can and do discuss marijuana use with veterans as part of comprehensive care planning and adjust treatment plans as necessary. Some things veterans need to know about marijuana and the VA. Veterans will not be denied VA benefits because of marijuana use. Veterans are encouraged to discuss marijuana use with their VA providers. VA healthcare providers will record marijuana use in the veteran's VA medical record in order to have the information available in treatment planning. 
As with all clinical information, this is part of the confidential medical record and protected under patient privacy and confidentiality laws and regulation. VA clinicians may not recommend medical marijuana. VA clinicians may only prescribe medications that have been approved by the FDA for medical use. At present, most products containing THC, CBD, or other cannabinoids are not approved for this purpose. VA clinicians may not complete paperwork forms required for veteran patients to participate in state-approved marijuana programs. VA pharmacies may not fill prescriptions for medical marijuana. VA will not pay for medical marijuana prescriptions from any source. VA scientists may conduct research on marijuana benefits and risks and potential for abuse under regulatory approval. The use or possession of marijuana is prohibited at all VA medical centers, locations, and grounds. When you are on VA grounds, it is federal law that it is in force, not the laws of the state. Veterans who are VA employees are subject to drug testing under the terms of employment. publichealth.va.gov slash marijuana. Moving Free Farms has been committed to teaching youngsters to the young at heart English and Western horseback riding for 25 years. Located just behind the university, they teach year-round in either the indoor heated arena in the winter or outside in the summer. Give them a jingle at 907-378-0103 to schedule a convenient time. Moving Free Farms. Let's ride some horses. you would be supportive of veterans using cannabis? Yes, yes. And I think you're going to see the VA come out with a, a proclamation saying that that in some circumstances it's certainly uh, okay. I, you know, even though on the federal level it still is not, but I think the federal level will change within the next several years also. I think you're right. One, one thing that, that is so hard in politics or, or really life, the human condition, is being able to change your mind. A lot of your supporters, your base, comes from an anti-cannabis stance. How will you relate to that moving forward? Well, you, you know, they do. And, uh, but a lot of my supporters, you, you know, want to see uh, medical cannabis, you know, become more routine than what it currently is. And uh, and and they have uh, said that they're not for, you know, openly, you know, using cannabis all the time. But for medical purposes, you know, they have changed their mind and and they have convinced me that uh, that is probably something that uh, is going to become routine in, in the not so distant future. One of the things that I've been talking about with all the candidates over the last month is this idea of representative democracy. When you're elected, you're allowed to vote your conscience. You're allowed to steer policy in your direction, but we still are in this representative government. How, how do you feel about leading with the way the public is going compared to leading the way you feel yourself? Well, you know, I think it's okay to have some personal feelings, but you also are a representative of the public. And on the years in the past, when I've sat on the assembly, uh, I, I had personal feelings on an issue, but when the public came and testified and said, no, this is what we want to see, uh, as their representative, I had to go with, you, you know, uh, their feelings feelings and their thoughts and uh 
And, and you, you know, that's just the way it is. When you represent a group, you have to represent the group or the public. Since the assembly is uh, elected at large, uh, you know, I represent everybody in the borough. And uh, so I have to listen to the to really everybody and then uh, look and see who is uh, has the best interest of the future of the Fairbanks North Star Borough uh, at heart. And, and that pushes me that way. I've represented a few people in very small, limited organizations, like representing even three people coming to a group and having to speak as a representative is hard sometimes because it's not your voice, but you're speaking for who you're representing. And sometimes that can be hard. And then especially going back to who, who supports you historically. Um, I, I wish you luck in that. I, I hope. And like you were saying, a lot of people are coming over to the medical. We live in a recreational world as other States legalize. Do you want it to go medical first? Like some States on the East coast are going or do you like our recreational? Well, well, I think it's easier to sell in the long term if you go medical first and then people see the benefits. That kind of gets rid of some of the old stigma that is hung around for years and years. And then when you go uh, full-fledged recreational, you know, people don't have as much problems with it. You know, if you look at Colorado and other places uh, where it's, you know, become legalized and and people look at that and say, well, you know, it, it's best to integrate things slowly so that people get used to it rather than just lumping it on them in one uh, whack. Right. And to be fair, we did have we did have medical cannabis in Alaska. We just did not have access to it first. That's true. Uh, but. But now we're getting access to it, and and you know people thought, uh oh, if you use medical cannabis, you know you're going to fall apart, and that has not happened. You know people are benefiting from it, so as long as people are benefiting, nobody's being hurt. You know I don't see a problem with it. Hmm. Yeah, I like hearing you say that. Have you toured any cannabis license in the borough? I have not yet, but I intend to. Is there certain ones that have been friendly towards you that you'll be looking at first or how? Well, well I'd like to hit most of them. Uh, you know, I, I would like to get their thoughts on on-site consumption from the people that work there. Uh, you know, but that decision is going to be made by the Marijuana Control Board and and the community if, if given a chance uh, or not. Uh, but you know, in in speaking of on-site consumption, you know, my main point on that would be if it's approved in the city, then it needs to be approved in the borough and vice versa. You, you know, you can't have the borough having it outside the city limits and not available in the city limits. So it must be a level playing field. Well, the, the city's already on record saying they will not allow on-site consumption in the city? Well, you, you know, <laughs> I, I don't think that will hold very long, to tell you the truth. Uh, I, I think that, you know, if the Marijuana Control Board approves it, and I, I think that attitude will probably change. All right. Well, 
the way the, the marijuana control board or the cannabis control board is looking at that, it still allows for communities to opt out. David Pruse on the city council said that he, along with everyone else on the council at that time, this was last year, we do have an election next week that can change the makeup of the council. But the way the council sits right now, they would they would put up regulations that would ban on-site consumption in the city. Well, you, you know, they certainly could. Uh, but, you know, that's in the future. And, uh, you know, five years ago, people would say, well, we're not having cannabis allowed anywhere. But right. look what happened. And that's fair. Certainly. Yeah. Speaking about on-site consumption, I one of the things that worries me today, uh, Christine Robbins contacted me. And when I when I saw her name, I was kind of alerted. And she's your campaign manager. She's one of the... Uh, how would you say if there's a, and I know Christine, you're there, correct? She is here. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to act like I'm speaking behind her back or anything, but no, no, go ahead and say, you know, uh, no, if there was an all-star team of prohibitionists in Fairbanks, she would be first string. Well, so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how, how does that sit when it, it worries me that your campaign manager spoke out heavy against cannabis on-site consumption i appreciate what you're saying how does that sit well well you know we don't agree on everything in fact there's a lot of things that, that uh we don't agree on uh but you know each person has her own prerogatives but the fact is i'm running for office and she isn't and uh, uh i'm representing the entire community and she works with uh, one group so, you know, there's there's a difference there. And, uh, you, you know, it, I don't know. Sometimes, uh, you know, we get in a pretty good argument about it. No, that, that's fair. Uh, there are so many more issues than cannabis on that are important to the borough. Absolutely. My show just happens to be about cannabis. Right. Now be a patron of Far North Tokers at patreon.com slash midtoker. Listeners supporting the artist financially for as little as $2 a month. You can help steer Far North Tokers through guest suggestions, reviews, new equipment for the show. Let's me know that Far North Tokers is important to you and I can just keep on keeping them. Thank you to long-term patrons, Marilyn Bergman, Carrie Mullis, Ramblin' Ranger, Peggy Peters, and Aaron Morton. Here's Tokers. One thing that I would like to reach out to you about is just this idea of liberty. A lot of people are are so willing to ask for liberty for themselves, but it's so hard to give it to other people. And I just want you to keep remembering that that idea of when you're representing that there might be. And it sounds like you are going that way. What you're saying, you appreciate liberty. You fought for our country. Look, nobody appreciates liberty more than I do. I have seen men die on the battlefield and in airplanes supporting liberty and the people's right to speak in the First Amendment and have their own ideas. You know, we're all free because of what our veterans have done for us. Amen. You know, and I will uphold that. I took an oath to support the Constitution of the United States, and I will do so against all enemies, foreign and domestic. 
And I have never been relieved from that oath. And I will continue to do so. I might not agree with a lot of things that are going on, but, you know, I will defend to my death the right for them to do that. When I see somebody burn an American flag, I can't tell you how much that disturbs me. But it is their right and their duty in, in, in their free speech to do that. And I just have to grit my teeth and hope they don't do it right in front of me. Mm-hmm. Well, there's there's uh, responsibilities for your actions sometimes and consequences that come that come with your actions. Absolutely. Have you seen cannabis as a positive in our community? I have had people tell me that it has helped their horses. Their horses would not be alive today if it weren't for cannabis. And I have seen people come up and tell me and testify saying that, you know, their senior mother and and relatives uh, would be in great pain today if it weren't for cannabis. And uh, I I know that a lot of people enjoy it, you know, recreationally, and and it, it's legal. It they can do that, and and that's fine with me. Uh, you know, I don't have to agree with everything people do, but as long as they're staying in bounds, I don't have a problem with it. That sounds awfully libertarian of you, Mister Bartos. Well, I am kind of a libertarian. You, you know, I believe. The reason I live in Alaska is because we have more freedoms hmm. here than anywhere else. Feels good. Yeah. Well, how about the negatives? What negatives have you noticed about cannabis since it's been legal? A lot of the guests that come on my show are, you know, they're in my camp. But we completely, you know, we're going to dim down some of the negatives that are appearing in our community. But what have you noticed? What are people telling you? Well, I, I've talked to, you know, some law enforcement and they tell me that, you know, that they think that, uh, you know, the uh, DUI rate has gone up some. Uh, and that we are having uh, people under age using cannabis. And, uh, you know, that's not following the law. And uh, I think if users follow the law, there's not a problem. So, uh, you know, I hope that the youth will look at that and, uh, you, you know, stay away from it until they're old enough. And that when people use it, they don't get behind the wheel. It's the same way with alcohol. You, you know, you, you got certain limits you have to stay within. And, and that also goes for consuming cannabis. It, it's about safety. And one of the main things that, well, prior coal memo it doesn't really affect now but it was kind of a guidance got to keep it away from kids or feds are coming in yeah oh absolutely i i agree with that and uh yeah you know i've heard testimony that young minds you know are more susceptible to uh cannabis at an early age and uh that that's one reason they need to stay away from it yeah uh the young are risk takers aren't they they are one of the things I was just, I was on a show uh, a couple days ago about ethical quandaries and we were talking about lowering the age of cannabis consumption to the age of 18. And I would guess that you would be against that. And it's a, it's a hard stance to go, but what do you think about that one? It'll ne- it won't, it never happen. So this is a philo- philosophical question. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, that right now from what I know and think that I'd, I'd be against that. 
uh, you know, the age of alcohol consumption, you know, and cannabis ought to be about the same. Okay. Can someone who does not consume cannabis make regulations concerning cannabis? I think they can if they have an open mind and they, they you know, look at the, uh, the question and, you know, and the testimony and make a judgment. Any kind of things we can look forward to if you get on the assembly as far as any tasks for task force or the roundtable discussions where people can come in and talk about on-site consumption, how it's going to look like in the borough? Well, you know, everybody gets three minutes before the meetings to come in and, and talk about whatever they want to. And, and the assembly is honor bound to listen to them. And so they can do that at any time and mm. uh, always have and always can. Well said. You don't need to organize anything, right? Go as the individual. Yeah, it's up to the individual. They can come speak uh, on whatever they want to. What is the most important cannabis issue to you? I I think it's, uh, well, there's there's several issues that that come up. You know, it's a a revenue enhancement. Uh, It it saves the taxpayers uh, because the uh, cannabis income means that there's less pressure on the property owners to come up with more money. Um, I, I think, you know, that's, that's something that's, that's positive. Uh, I, I think on, on the other side, I, I just hope that, you know, the consumers of cannabis uh, keep safety in mind and the safety of the public and what, I think that's the biggest issue, public safety. There's always idiots in any any group. Right? Well, think... well, there is. 10% never get the word. <laughs> we just we got to enforce some of these regulations and quit looping everyone into a, a giant group. Let's, let's enforce the regulations we have Yes. and uh, go from there. Well, it's the same way with, with gun control. You know, if we just enforced you know, what was on the books would be great. Yes, that selective enforcement starts to get at the core of liberty. Yep. You were just talking about cannabis business relieving property owners. I've always had a suspicion of this and, and thought, and I don't know enough about it, and I, I don't know enough to talk about it. Maybe you could, about the tax cap coming up. So does that, in the beginning, when cannabis was being starting to be regulated in the borough there was this talk of taxes they could raise taxes on cannabis business and then other people were saying well that won't really affect anything because there's this cap could you speak to any of that like how does that affect uh, revenue coming in from the cannabis business affecting property owners or does it not at all well, well it does any revenue coming in affects property owners and it prop three you know i'm urging people uh, to vote yes on that. I think the tax cap has, uh, you know, kept government under control uh, instead of going out and uh, keep raising more and more uh, money. With the uh, tax on uh, cannabis, it does bring in, and, and whether that's above or under the tax cap, I'm not sure because it's a relatively new business. I, I I'd have to research that to see see where that falls. Would that then are, are they separated all, or is it just all property owners and it all goes in and then it's given back percentage wise? How does that? Uh, 
Well, well it's not given back. Uh, right. It's just not know, charged. What, How do they know what, what, what? Yeah, what comes in, uh, it just takes the pressure off the property owners, uh, you, you know, from raising property taxes. Uh, the, and it goes back to the mill rate. You know, once the mill rate is set, that that means how much property tax you pay based on the valuation of that particular property. Okay, well, Hank, I I really enjoyed having you on. Well, I you know I appreciate uh, you, you know talking to you about this uh, issue. It, it, you know, it's important in, in issue that's in our community, and and I think it's going to be on the front burner for a lot of time, a long time to come until, you know, people become more comfortable with what's happening. It certainly is an issue that does not fit nicely on this uh, conservative, liberal, Republican, Democrat paradigm, does it? Well, well, it, it doesn't, but yet, you know, people have to, you know, remain flexible. Scientific American, January 4th, 2018 by Alfonso Serrano. As vets demand cannabis for PTSD, science races to unlock its secrets. Curbs on studies have limited understanding of marijuana's therapeutic mechanisms, but political pressure and a shift in research could soon shed light. Elvis Alonzo began smoking cannabis as a last resort, three years in the Marine Corps and 13 years with the Glendale Police Department in Arizona, where he was exposed to murders, suicides, and people dying in his arms, had left him emotionally crippled. Toward the end of his police service, doctors diagnosed Alonzo with post-traumatic stress disorder and prescribed various medications to temper his nightmares and flashbacks. The drugs turned me into a zombie, he says. I was so out of it that I couldn't even drive. So they, the police department, had to medically retire me. Alonzo stopped showering, his wife left him, and he nearly lost his house. Then a friend suggested he try marijuana to relieve his symptoms. It's been a godsend, he says. It curbs my anxiety and it makes me sleep fantastic for at least four hours needs to be studied. Thousands of military veterans have echoed Alonzo's claim for years. They have pressured federal and state legislators to legalize medicinal cannabis and ease rules on research into the plant's apparent therapeutic properties, arguing that it could help reduce suicide rates among former soldiers. Backed by overwhelming public support for broader legalization, their demands are starting to resonate in state houses across the country. This past November, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo chose Veterans Day to make PTSD a qualifying condition for the state's tightly controlled medical marijuana program. New York joined seven other states this year and 27 overall that include PTSD in their list of conditions that qualify for medical cannabis. But some cannabis researchers, while acknowledging the urgency of finding better PTSD treatments, remain skeptical of legalizing too quickly and warn that marijuana's pharmacological properties remain largely unknown. Still, scientists have long been focusing on two of the plant's more than 120 active compounds as possible treatments for PTSD symptoms. They are looking at THC, which is the plant's principal psychoactive ingredient, and cannabinol, CBD, which is non-intoxicating and has drawn interest for possible medical applications. Concentrations of both can vary widely between different genetic lines of cannabis and even between individual plants. Of the two compounds, THC is a bit better understood. It binds to specific receptors on brain cells that help regulate mood, sleep patterns, and pain perception. Scientists also believe it interacts with receptors in the brain's emotional centers, the amygdala and hippocampus, to reduce anxiety, which may help explain Alonzo's reaction to cannabis. THC research involving PTSD, although scant, has shown some promise. 
A 2009 clinical trial in Canada showed that the nighttime administration of THC reduced the frequency and intensity of nightmares in 72% of the 47 patients studied, but other trials have presented more mixed results. They demonstrate that THC's effectiveness in reducing anxiety and increasing sleep quality depends on dose size, with lower doses improving sleep quality and higher doses producing higher levels of anxiety and negative long-term outcomes. Research into CBD remains hazy, partly because it triggers so many biochemical pathways and produces wide-ranging results. It appears to effectively treat some forms of epilepsy, but scientists do not know why. They have a better sense of how it may relieve some users' anxiety by targeting and boosting the signal of 5-HT1A serotonin receptors on brain cells. Serotonin, a neurotransmitter, helps regulate mood and is associated with feelings of well-being. And CBD, a powerful anti-inflammatory and antioxidant, also increases gamma aminobutyric acid, or GABA, an inhibitory neurotransmitter that produces a calming effect when amplified. But study outcomes are still largely inchoate, marked by small sample sizes, narrow methodological controls, and contradictory findings. Although 29 states have legalized medical or recreational cannabis since 1996, the federal government continues to officially prohibit the drug and has done little to facilitate research into its medicinal potential. Despite the limited research, many scientists have recently shifted focus from THC to CBD. Even if many patients have not, says Marcel Bon Miller, a psychology and psychiatry professor at the University of Pennsylvania's Perelman School of Medicine, think of CBD as a shotgun. It hits so many receptors that people are still trying to understand it. If you want to actually treat PTSD, most of the evidence is pointing towards CBD, but most people with PTSD are gravitating toward marijuana products with high THC levels, which may help in the short term, but are likely to worsen their symptoms over time. Von Miller and psychiatrist Sue Sisley, a former professor at the University of Arizona College of Medicine, are trying to address these issues. Using cannabis provided by the federal government and a protocol approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, they are leading the first ever randomized controlled trial of the efficacy of marijuana for PTSD. The study, funded with nearly 2.2 million grant from the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, is examining four different strains of cannabis in treatment-resistant military veterans a high THC batch, a high CBD batch, a blend with equal concentrations of THC and CBD, and a placebo control. Sisley notes that a key hallmark of PTSD is insomnia, usually blamed on nightmares and flashbacks, and that if cannabis can help veterans initiate sleep and stay asleep, that is a victory in itself. Until we unblind and analyze all the data, we can't make any conclusions, Sisley says, referring to the Arizona study. But I can tell you, that we have had almost 30 veterans who have completed the 10-week protocol and the study is progressing well. Bon Miller is also the principal investigator in an observational study on 150 PTSD patients in Denver, Colorado, funded by a grant from the University of Pennsylvania. Half of the subjects will use cannabis obtained from a dispensary and half will not consume cannabis. Bon Miller is tracking participant symptoms over the course of a year with assessments at 3, 6, 9, and 12 months while scientifically testing the cannabis that users choose to consume to determine if there are certain cannabinoid concentrations that are more helpful than others for mitigating PTSD symptoms. The only criteria is that participants acquire their cannabis from local dispensaries so that researchers can easily test it. What most interests Bond Miller is that some participants may switch groups. Some non-users at the start of the study may begin using cannabis and previous users may stop. This will allow Bond Miller to examine the changes that cannabis use produces in PTSD symptoms in real time. It's early. We really don't understand the mechanisms of action 
that well at this point. Bondmiller says of marijuana's pharmacology, before underlining what he sees as the plant's medical potential. Something that can reduce seizures, improve anxiety, and also reduce inflammation, he says, all in the same drug, Scientific American. The North Bowl Refinery is here to provide Alaska with the finest quality CBD product available on the market today. This includes Select CBD, Lenitive by Montel Williams, Lazarus Naturals, Jerome Baker, Hot Mess Cushmetics, and constantly testing new products. The North Bowl Refinery is a distributor to these fine locations. Smoking Deals in Fairbanks and Kenai, Good Cannabis, Nature's Relief, Gabco, Denali's Cannabis Cash, Uncle Herbs and Homer and Anchorage, The Frost Farm, and on Facebook with more locations coming soon. The North Bowl Refinery, quality CBD in Alaska. What is one skill you can offer to the cannabis community as the next Fairbanks North Star Borough Assembly seat member? Well, uh, experience in how things are done. Uh, you know, I have served previously on the assembly off and on for 16 years. It's been about 10 years since I last served. But uh, I, I think I can bring uh, uh, experience on how to deal with matters and uh, how to look at things uh, and for different perspectives. I think the people of this community are fair-minded. And uh, I think they want to see a balance on the assembly. Uh, they don't want to see it get too conservative. They don't want to see it get too liberal. Uh, because if it's too one-sided, then you don't have the debate and discussion you need to have to come up with the best legislation for the community. That, that is a powerful card to pull out in experience. Um, noticing these forums that are happening, it, it seems young. They, they seem green and not even having foundations of what our democracy is really pulled together well, and that and that's the reason i'm willing to give up you know my retirement time and come in and and be a voice of, of reason and an experience you know for the community uh, i've got a lot of time invested in this community i want my grandchildren to grow up here i want a great quality of life and i and i think that i can contribute to that and that's why i would hope people would support my candidacy there's a lot to be said about institutional knowledge and just knowing how it works. Yeah, there is. You know, you certainly wouldn't go to a, a brain surgeon that just got out of medical school when there was a guy stand right down the street that has been doing it for, you know, 20 or 30 years. Now it's good to have someone watching over and making sure things are happening right night. Absolutely. I appreciate the your liberty-mindedness. At coming on, uh, that's one thing, you know, I, I put out the the word to a lot of people. And I didn't really go to the assembly, but one of the things that uh, you kind of sought me out. So that that's really saying a lot for you right there too. Is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience? No, I just like to thank Frank Turney for his uh, <laughs> vote of confidence. Yeah, let's just, and, and I'd like to thank you for inviting me on to, so that I could, uh, you know, express my views on the issue. Oh, you're welcome. It's, it's one of the reasons I have this to get another shed light on another issue. That's not being talked about a lot. You bet. Hey, thanks a lot, Mr. Bartos, for coming on. And that's Assembly Seat G, October 2nd, next week. Absolutely. Get out and vote. What do you think they would say?
Hey, thank you for joining us on Far North Tokers. You can find more episodes of this time capsule of Alaskan cannabis on SoundCloud and iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send questions and comments to midtoker at farnorthtokers.com. M-I-D-T-O-K-E-R at farnorthtokers.com. And now, Patreon. Help support the show financially at patreon.com slash midtoker. Here's Token. Thank you.